Welcome to Just a Phase, a podcast about modern parenting. Episode 6, Can Podcast Take Maternity Leave? Today we talk with a law school professor slash policy expert about family leave, what's, what is currently available, and who's doing it better. And why we should all be riled up. Yeah, get fired up. Yeah. Plus, we are going to talk um, about Drew's horrifying parent parenting rite of passage and why I have sterilized bath toys on my kitchen counter. So let's get started. Hello, I'm Whitney Crispell, a mom to one and a half year old Vivian and a couple days away from my due date with baby number two. And I'm Drew Ludwig. I'm the father of three daughters that me and my wife have adopted together. Their ages are nine, six, and four. We will try our best to keep our cursing in check, but just a warning, this is a podcast for adults by adults. Uh, So Drew, question for you. Um, I just said that I had a one and a half year old daughter, but she's actually like 21 months old. When do you stop saying 20? When do you stop the month thing thing? and go to the year thing? I hate the month thing. Okay, awesome. So stop now. Okay. Like, Like my kid showed up at 11 months and I feel like, that I, I say that and I remember that because yeah. like 11 months isn't a year. Yeah. So. And some of those milestones early on are really big. Yeah. Yeah. But by, by two. By two, okay. you're done. So she's, I mean, I, yeah, she's almost two. So I think I'm just going to start describing her as almost two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right, I don't know. If your baby was a car loan, <laughs> it would be like 60 months. Okay. But I feel like that's ridiculous. Just say five years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. So. Agreed. All right. Cool. Okay. So tell me about this uh, this this thing that happened to you. Well, or so, happened to your daughter. So your family had scabies, which was great, and a yeah. podcast adventure. Wonderful. My kid has, and I should have looked up the name of it, but a skin thing that's a virus that makes little tiny bumps show up. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're fine. They don't hurt. They don't do anything. And, like, we went to the pediatrician, and we're like, there's bumps on our kid. And she's like, yeah, it's a virus. It can go away in three months or a year. And we're like, so my kid might have bumps for a year, right? But they're they're not very noticeable. I mean, like, when she takes a bath, they're like, they're all over. Do they but itch? Nope. Nope. Just, like, total no. no just, just some just bumps. Bump. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally not harmless. Totally harmless, right? But uh, eventually the the body realizes that they shouldn't be there and starts to fight off the bumps, which is good because you don't want to have bumps for your whole life. Um, but as the bumps started going away, one of them got infected. Oh, no. Yeah, and that was the big pain. So we tried antibiotics and, like, warm compresses and things like that, and the doc said, like, if that doesn't work in five days, come back and we'll lance it. Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, I got to have a conversation with the four-year-old, like – so what, what's going to happen is um, the doctor's going to have a little shot right there, and it's going to pinch, and it's going to burn, and, and then that, but that'll make it so you don't feel it anymore, and, and that'll help the doctor fix it. And I didn't say, like, and then he takes the knife and cuts it open, because I figure once you can't feel it, who cares, right? Yeah. Um, so it was weird, though, having, like, the conversation with the doctor, like, in front of her. Like, he'd be like, there'd be, like, a one-millimeter incision oh good she hasn't figured out what that word means <laughs> yet know. <laughs> you know uh and he, uh so so we talked through it all and then i i say like and the doctor gave me these op- options she's like so we can have you like hold her hands and a nurse can like hold her hand 
you know, or we can wrap her in a blanket, right? Which I like, that sounds like so like loving and oppressive at the same time. And I was like, well, let's, what do you think, Courtney? Is it enough if we just hold you? Or do you want us to wrap you up? And she's like, wrap me up. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to be crazy right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we, oh. we wrapped her up and, and that was helpful. But like, wow. And, and I explained, I, I don't know the last time you got a shot of Novocaine. Like, mm. I feel like a pinch and a burn is a pretty good description, mm-hmm. you know? And I, so I minimized it because I needed her to like comply and go along. And then like when the pinch and the burn happened, she was like screaming. And that's the, like, that's the part where I was like, oh, I am witnessing trauma like live as it happens. And I told her that it wouldn't be so bad. (laughs) I lied. I I, I, I did intentionally. I didn't think I was lying. You didn't lie. But I felt bad in the moment. And then like after that, like she's like, I get to pick out a Band-Aid. I get a sticker. And, and I was like, you're so brave. You're so tough. And so. So is that the most pain you've seen one of your kids in? Or most like traumatic experience, I guess I would say. Um, it's the first time I watched anybody cut one of my kids. Yeah, okay, all right, fair <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Like yeah. sensitive kids like scream at everything. Yeah. So, like, it's really hard to rank. Yeah. <laughs> like, there were a couple times when, like, they sounded like they were dying. And I was like... You're not. <laughs> yeah, your sister just brushed up against oh. you. <laughs> that just brought back memories of... I was, like, the worst wuss when it came to shots, but also splinters. Like, one time I l- legit fainted when my dad was trying to take a splinter out wow. of my foot. And I was like, that makes it easier, and right? I was like seven. Yeah, he probably was like, thank God she passed out. I'm just going to do this. <laughs> Don't wake her up too fast. Yeah. So <laughs> my parents, when I got tattoos later in life, they were like, I can't believe that you got a tattoo. Like after all we went through with splinters and shots. Were you so, tough for your tattoos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with needles now. <laughs> now I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a lousy kid. Yeah. So... I don't know if you noticed this when you walked into my kitchen, but all of Viv's bath toys are being sterilized. Being sterilized you to talk because about she that. pooped in the tub. <laughs> you told me that I could guess, and I thought I, I really wasn't going to guess. <laughs> yeah, no, she. I don't. I, poop happens. Yeah, poop happens. I guess, but God, it's such a pain in the butt. <laughs> when it Good does. on you for sterilizing everything. Yeah, I mean, I like sterilize is like might be might be a very generous description of what I did. I washed them in hot, hot water, soap and water. Yeah, yeah. that's a good thing. Okay, that's yeah, thing. no, but so I, one of my friends was telling me that her daughter did this, and she, but she made it sound like, yeah, she pooped in the tub. She was really upset about it, and she was like, oh, never, never again, mommy, never again. This is like the third time Viv's done this. I think she's got. I think she likes it. <laughs> I was just like, I knew it was happening and pulled her out and was like, ah, bats over, bats over. And I tried not to make a big deal out of it. But I mean, she's one and a half. I know. So like there's growing control, but not complete control. Shit happens, literally. Yeah. But (laughs) like like it happens other places. Like you're still in the realm of poop happens when you don't want it to. Not like, oh, I'm in control right. and that's I'm true. I'm a tub pooper that's now. True. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. My like, days are probably numbered. Or my days. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. The days of having, a lot of mortality just crept into the podcast again. I'm having to worry again. about this are probably numbered. So, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so that's that's a big exciting thing over here. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to talk uh, with our special guest about family leave today. Yes. Uh, this topic is timely because, as you know, uh, you podcast listeners, Whitney is going to have a baby very soon, and this podcast will be taking its own parent. I'm not going to call it uh, maternity yeah, leave. It's parental leave. It is. Like it we is learned, parental leave. Moms and dads need parental leave. They do. I mean, it's maternity leave for you. Right. Right. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, we couldn't think of a better topic um, to make any doubters out there understand why we're going to take a little time off. Not that any of you would, <laughs> but just in case there's one meanie out there. <laughs> uh, but don't fear. Well, we do have uh, fun stuff already recorded uh, and lined up, ready to be released on our usual schedule. So uh, Whitney and I are taking a break, uh, but the podcast will go on. Yes. Yeah, we'll still have a new every two weeks. Yeah, every a new episode every two weeks, um, new to you, and then we'll be officially back in the saddle and ready to kind of report on on what's been going on um, in in our recent family parenting lives in mid January, and right. maybe I'll share a really graphic birth story with everybody. We can only hope. <laughs> I Get feel ready. Like, uh, that's the only kind of birth story there is. <laughs> Over the top graphic. Um, so let's get to our interview um, on family leave with the wonderful, smart Martha McCluskey. Today we are excited to welcome Martha McCluskey to the podcast. Martha is a professor and the William J. McGavern faculty scholar at the University at Buffalo Law School. Her research focuses on multiple areas of law, including civil rights, disability, employment, family, gender, and race. We're really thrilled to have Martha here with us today to talk about family leave um, in the U.S. We just want to have a make a disclaimer: Martha is not an employment attorney, um, so you know don't don't necessarily take her advice as as um, legal advice for your own personal situation or our advice <laughs> or our advice. <laughs> um, so welcome to Just a Face, Martha. Thanks well, for being here. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about your podcast and about this opportunity. Yeah, we are too. So let's make sh- let's start by making sure we have um, a shared understanding of family leave and what it does and does not include when we're talking about um, family and, and parental leave policy. Um, and, and, and maybe in doing so, you can talk to us about, in, in doing so, you can give us a, an update on the current state of family leave. Yeah. Okay. Well, really important legislation enacted in 1993 under President Clinton, and this is federal law. Federal law meaning it applies to the whole country, which is very important. Now, there's a lot of talk about how, you know, I think um, people are skeptical of the federal government and don't see how it affects their lives. And I think this is one concrete way that millions and millions of Americans, I have benefited from something that our representatives in the federal government have done. And and it really makes a difference to people. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been enough, but it's a great, it, it has provided really crucial benefits to a lot of people. So let me tell you a little bit about yeah. what that law is. So, um, so the Family Medical Leave Act provides up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave for certain family and medical circumstances. So um, a couple of things about that. Up to 12 weeks unpaid leave. What the heart of that really is, is um, a right to job protection, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not getting paid, you're not getting particular benefits necessarily, um, 
But what you're getting is really important, the right to take the time off for these family medical needs, um, and then the, the right to come back to that job. And that's so valuable because when you have a medical crisis, when you have a new family member, a new child, that's of course when you're faced with financial burdens and so and and stress and new things to think about and demand. So if that was the occasion for losing um, family income, I mean that's a crisis for so many people. So the the, the right to come back to your job without retaliation, without um, a demotion, without a decrease in pay, is this fundamental provision that that gives and we didn't have that before except by the discretion of the employers and it was uh, primarily uh, unionized workplaces or um, upper class professional work that gave that protection before so it really did expand um, protection in a really important way for so many families so um, to go into a little more detail yeah. about what that is, besides that that job protection, so the specifics there, it it isn't a, 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 as broad as many would like. Um, it it is protection for certain circumstances. Fam the family part of it is for um, the birth or adoption of a child. Okay, and so it it's not. Um, ongoing child care in general. It's only for um, within the first year, I believe, of the um, uh, arrival of a new child. Okay. And so up to 12 weeks if it's available gender neutral. That's an important piece of this legislation. I, there was some debates um, in previous decades and historically about you know the effect of on women, whether it caused discrimination against women, uh, and whether it was discriminatory against men to kind of give so-called maternity leave. The Family Medical Leave Act is not maternity leave gender specific to women. It's it's available to anyone for these specific purposes. The so in a straight couple, they have a baby. A fa the father could could take FMLA. Yes, it's, it's available to anyone okay. who is the parent of a new child. Um, and um, there's one specific thing, though. If, if both parents work for the same employer, the employer can... Um, uh, can set a limit and say that only one gets to 12 weeks. So it's sort of any one employ employer only has to provide up to 12 weeks leave for any one person. But if you work for different um, right. different employers, you can each take 12 up to 12 weeks leave. Now, the, the other thing about this, though, is that um, it only applies to workplaces of 50 employees or more. Mm -hmm. And there are some technical questions about what counts as 50 employees, so that's something you would need to look into individually. Yeah. Um, and it only applies to people who have worked a certain number of hours in the year. And so if you're a brand new employee, it might not cover you if you only work a couple of hours. But it, but it, it applies to most people who would be um, uh, substantially employed. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a full-time employee um, necessarily. But the, the fact that it only applies to workplaces of 50 employees or more means that roughly 40% of the workforce is not covered, yeah. which is pretty big. It is. I mean, I just... 
I was one of those. When I was pregnant with my daughter, I um, worked for a nonprofit, and we didn't have 50 employees, and there was no maternity leave. They had to write their maternity leave policy. Yeah. Did they write one uh, for you? They did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. But it was stressful because there was no framework to go to. But just as an aside, so it, yeah, it, and that's yeah. significant, Forty percent, about 40%. And that 40% is a group that particularly includes lower-income women, women who may ha- be disadvantaged in other ways, recent immigrants, uh, people who have been out of the workforce for a while. So it's, a, it's an important um, limit mm-hmm. that many advocacy groups have been trying to address for a long time. On the other hand, I think it's very important that... Um, that the Family Medical Leave Act is there for those more privileged <laughs> employees who do have larger workplaces mm-hmm. because maybe, as, as some examples suggest, that if larger employers are providing the, the 12, up to 12 weeks it leave... It pressures be- the smaller ones because yeah. they have to compete. Yeah, so yeah. say this is, you know, if, if you want to consider yourself a, you know, a good employee, employer, this is kind of the norm and the standard. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's an important piece of what this law did. There's a lot of questions as, a, as advocates were kind of pushing for the law. It was a wonderful example of how people on the ground, as well as advocacy groups and political leaders, can get together to really um, make important changes through the law and legislation. Mm-hmm. And, and they had to make compromises in order to get it enacted. And so um, I think the feeling was that even though there are really important limits on this, it still created a, a sort of sea change in attitudes, and it, it provided leadership. Now we still need to go further. And now, when I think about family and medical leave, I, I think about like having a baby and like big illnesses and crises. And I've seen people use it in things like that. Um, supposing I worked for a qualified employer, which I don't, but... If I did, and I just had to take my kid to the doctor, like, right. is that family medical leave? No, um, not usually. Okay. Um, a huge limit of the FMLA, that's the mm-hmm. jargon for the Family Medical Leave Act, is that it is really crisis-oriented. It is for you know the arrival of a new child through birth, adoption, right. foster care. It is for not just any medical purpose, but for serious illnesses. And there's it defines serious illness. I won't get into all the technical details, but it's generally, um, uh, this is the medical rather than the family portion of the leave. Uh, again, gender neutral. Um, it applies to uh, for serious illnesses, which generally are um, illnesses that um, require hospitalization or uh, a, a certain um, uh, length of treatment, um, right. more than three days absence from work. Um, um, you would need to look up the specifics in your in particular situation. There's a lot of case law sort of working out the details. It requires it, it, the employer. C- um, can and often does require medical certification mm-hmm. about the long term, the the length of treatment, the nature of it, to establish that it is a serious illness. So taking a child to a routine doctor visit would not be that covered if the child was getting chemotherapy for cancer. So they were being treated for a long period of time, including some hospitalization. That would be the kind of thing that would be that would be covered. But let me explain a little bit further when on the medical. 
um, leave portion of it. This is really important because actually a, a very large percentage of the workers who take advantage of this job protection right under the Federal Family Medical Leave Act take it not for a newborn child, not for adoption, foster care, but take it for medical purposes mm. because it covers your own personal illness. Again, if it's a serious illness meeting the criteria of the, the law, it covers the illness of the defined family members. Now, and that's really important because if you think about it um, today, the in most people's lives, the 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 number of times in their lives they're going to be confronting a serious illness in themselves or a family member is probably greater than the number of times they're going to have a new child in right. their lives. Right. And then, of course, many people will not be parents of children but still benefit from this. So um, I think that's also really important because there's, some people have criticized, well, why should we give uh, parents this special benefit? It's not a special benefit for parents. Well, All of us are at risk of medical problems with ourselves or with people we are close to. And it's it's not just you and your spouse and your children, right? Like if my parents got ill, yeah. I could take FMLA for that, right? Okay, and that's important. It is, it is unfortunately um, limited, but the, the limits, the family members mm -hmm. whose serious illnesses are covered and so that you can take the leave to to provide care for them include a parent, a child, or a spouse. Okay. Okay. And so that is, in in a sense, it's broader than people may think originally. Yeah. And it's very important because, again, um, I think um, family medical leave is not just a young people's yeah. issue. Um, I think, again, more people in their lives are going to be um, facing demands for a longer period of time for care for elderly uh, family members. So the fact that you can take a leave up to 12 weeks unpaid to care for um, an elderly relative or parent, that's mm -hmm. an important exception, parent, right. um, that's really important. Oh, it is. Yeah. But the problem is, so parent, it doesn't include in-laws. So if if there's a reason why, say, one person is in the, one spouse is covered, one spouse wants to take the leave to do the family care for the in-law, that's not um, protected under this law. Um, also, grandparents, and not included. Um, right. So this is really modeled on a traditional uh, family, which is not really, I think, suitable for the current American family situation. Right. Um, you have to be the legal parent, too. Uh, it can't be like a niece or nephew in many families. There may be, you know, sort of fluid situations or crises in families that, or other kinds of yeah. extended relationships where you provide uh, care. What about when there's, like, a legal guardianship? I mean, this is yeah, yeah, maybe too specific, but, like, a friend of mine just became legal guardian of his brother that has a developmental disability if you have it, it does include in the definition of child an adult dependent child so in okay. that situation i think you would have to look more specifically into the nature of the legal garden guardianship i'm not an expert on that so if i i think i think in some situations it probably would be covered but not in every one and, and, but that is really important because many families, especially, again, uh, lower-income families, families of color, um, um, other 
families who ha have uh, dis um, disabilities, long-term disabilities in their family, they'll be sharing a fa family care, and this really limits it to those specific family members, so it excludes a lot of needs and a lot of people. There's a lot of interest in expanding it to grandparents um, relationships or grandchildren relationships, because you think of how many uh, grandparents are important family caretakers, and many of them are still in the workforce, yeah. increasingly so. So. Yeah. so it sounds like you're glad that we've got an FMLA, but... Um, you're not totally satisfied, like you you would like to fix this thing. Yeah, and there's a lot of great advocacy groups nationally that are are working on this, and in this in this each state, the National Partnership for Women and Families is a really important group that has a great website with a lot of information and resources. People who want more specifics um, should go there, um, and it's um, so important limits. On it, besides um, a lot of people aren't covered, the family definition is small, the, um, uh, it's a crisis-based thing, not for routine needs. Um, those are really important things. And of course, the huge thing on the, that many people are focused on is it's unpaid. Right. right. So in addition to those other limits that hit um, lower income uh, families harder, the fact that it's unpaid obviously hits the lower income people and many Americans just don't take advantage of the family medical leave protections because they can't afford to. Mm -hmm. sure. One qualification on that is, though, and you should look in your individual circumstances, look to your individual employer, whatever contracts, union protections you have, because um, the Family Medical Leave Act does have provisions that say if you have paid sick leave, um, that may be used in certain circumstances to cover part of the leave, especially if, if right. for pregnancy, for example. And if the employer provides leave for other kinds of disabilities. So, for example, if men in the workplace have taken a leave because they need an extended rest for after a heart attack, um, again, um, sometimes pregnant women can take advantage of that under protections against dis disability discrimination, pregnancy discrimination, gender discrimination. So you should look to see what protections the individual workplace has. There's also maybe a right to take some vacation leave for that. But again, think of that. That's a kind of limited approach to think if you use up your sick leave for um, mm -hmm. these situations, which might you might need for some other. You might get sick. <laughs> you right. might get sick. Right. Your child might get sick. Your parents yeah. might get sick. So, you know, again, the 12 weeks is, is fairly short if you're thinking of, you know, long-term illnesses and crises, even with crises, but certainly. So, so yeah, so just to be, just to clarify, so if, if someone does have paid leave that is that's specific to their employer that's, that's right it's not provided decision. it's not um it's well the, the employer may have um general protections for their workplace and general rights to sick leave vacation leave um and disability leave that may apply in this case so um it, it's not just an individual negotiation but you may have those rights they're not that the family medical leave act only gives you um it, it, it gives the, um, the worker the right to take advantage of those for the Family Medical Leave Act kinds of leave in certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. And is it 12 weeks annually? 
or is 12 it? weeks annually. That's okay. right. That's right. So that's, um, you know, if you have an, a, a chronic uh, illness yourself, your child, your elderly parent, um, I mean, 12 weeks is important, but it's only 12 weeks in the year. And so one, one of the problems with the crisis-oriented approach, you say 12 weeks, it assumes that you're a chronic medical condition or a medical crisis like cancer is only is is going to be solved in 12 weeks and that's kind of unrealistic you know right. uh, chemotherapy usually will last longer you know a family member with dementia it's usually not going to be 12 weeks and you know i know it's tricky i had this problem too with an elderly uh, parent with dementia and some serious uh, problems. I was trying to figure out, well, how do I know when the worst crisis is going to be? If I ask for family medical leave for the fall, you know, well, then what if then she actually is on an upswing and then gets really worse later on? So that's one of the dilemmas people face. It's not really well designed for the real needs of, of work and family. Um, so uh, another important part of that is the spousal limit, um, the, the spousal ex uh, definition of family. You know, it, it, that excludes a lot of people in more informal um, or uh, non-marital relationships, long-term or short-term, right. um, who have um, important family caretaking needs um, and who, whether they're the parent or co-parent or um, whether they're uh, a family member who needs medical care and ongoing um, family care for, for an illness. So, but thankfully with the um, change in the federal law that um, includes uh, same-sex marriage in the federal meaning of marriage, now uh, at least it's married broader. gay families can uh, take advantage of it. So that's really important. That is important. So one of the things that underlies these specific things, I've given you a little bit of the picture, I think, of yeah. how it's oh, no, important, yeah. but it's <laughs> also limited. Um, one of the imp important uh, dilemmas or, or, or things that um, we need to wrestle with with the Family Medical Leave Act is how we think about it. Um, because in the past, I think the idea that a worker would take a leave um, for a family responsibility, caring for a new child, pregnancy, uh, caring for an ill family member. We think of it as you know something special, like this is an accommodation for you know someone who's deviating from the norm, and and that's a problematic way to think about it, um, really, mm -hmm. and so. There's a tension, you know, some people say, okay, the family medical leave gives us this limited protection, but, you know, normally the employer in the United States gets to decide um, when you work, how long you work, the terms and conditions, how much you're paid, what the benefits are, what, and all of that. And so um, some of the academics, I'm an academic, so I, <laughs> I really think it's interesting when, when, and great when people can sort of do research surveying, how, how is this affecting people's lives? Who's yeah. taking family medical leave? Uh, Catherine Alveston at the University of California, Berkeley, has done some really great research on this. And, and she found that there's still a serious problem with people who take family medical leave under the federal law or under other provisions in state law, for example, um, that there are attitudes, uh, negative attitudes and stereotypes um, that 
uh, particularly affect mothers. Um, the idea that if you take family medical leave, uh, a lot of employers will kind of um, make suggestions about, well, you're not as serious a worker, we're not going to consider you for the promotion. Um, so that's out there, and even though you have this technical protection under the Family Medical Leave Act, it can be difficult to prove that in certain cases. It's mm -hmm. burdensome on the workers. Mm -hmm. There can be pressure. Uh, many people do not take the leave because they're concerned about that kind of retaliation. Um, or uh, subtle attitudes in, in the workplace. Um, men are all often given a lot of social pressure in the workplace. You know, I, I know in my workplace at the university and, until recently, most men did not take the family medical leave um, for the birth of a child or for caretaking for an ill family member. So it's, it, that's an issue. On the other hand, the research has shown that the Family Medical Leave Act, when people are informed about it, and the more they know about it, the more people talk about the policy, the more attitudes change. Mm -hmm. So they did a little lab experiment where they sort of gave people detailed information and, and uh, about family medical leave policy. And then they asked people to talk about how they would pay someone and how they would treat someone in the workplace who had taken advantage of the leave. Once they, people knew about the policy, they, were, they thought of it as really positive and, and normal. That's if they didn't really understand the policy, but they were just told this person took 12 weeks leave to take care of a child, mm -hmm. um, they had negative attitudes. So a really important piece of the family medical leave and what you're doing in this podcast, I think, is getting people talking and thinking about a different story. It's not a special accommodation yeah. that this is our this is normal that workers normally are human beings. They take care, they have family members, right. they get sick, right. their family members get sick, they are parents. And that is the kind of society we want to live in where right. where you are, can well, be a human being and a worker too. Yeah. We take no, care I, of each other. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you said that. And just like a, a you know a related anecdote, when I, I when I got pregnant, one of my um, girlfriends who had had a baby a, a year before me, her piece, her biggest piece of advice when I was, you know, just found out I was pregnant and was going to talk to my employer about it was just don't you didn't do anything wrong. She said I spent. <laughs> she said she spent so much time acting like she did something wrong in her conversations oh, and kind of apologizing like oh I'm so sorry I'm like inconveniencing everybody at work and and it that really hit me or that wow. really struck struck a nerve with me and and I think helped me have some confidence as I was navigating this process of I'm not doing anything wrong here this is a something that yeah. happens and I have a, a right to well, I actually did. I did that, right? Because my employer was a big human enough. right, not a legal right. But it still gave me a boost, of, a boost of confidence, and my employer was yeah. was um, you know was accommodating. But but I think that that's you know that yeah. that, that's good for people to hear. You know? And I'm not doing anything wrong. This is a yeah. normal part of life, and, and right. this is how we want to take care of people. So I'd say it, I really encourage people in workplaces, it, to the extent they can, to talk about. Um, family leave policy, not just for their individual needs, but in advance, and 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 especially 
people who may not be, uh, who may be a little bit more privileged. I think some men, people who may not be um, uh, newborn parents of newborns right at a particular moment, uh, leaders in workplaces should be very vocal and very clear about, yeah, this is the policy, it's normal, you know, we support people in taking that. If you're not in a leadership position, I think it's still important to talk about it, ask questions, um, not wait till it's, it's that you need to take advantage of it, because it, the more it becomes a part of normal conversation, I think the more those attitudes will change. And, and just, just sort of say, hey, we have a, a federal law, this is, this is family values, and I, I really think that we need to um, we need we need to um, make sure that discussions about family values really talk about what matters to families and that families in the United States need today need um, need job protections because most families include people who are simultaneously workers and caregivers, both caregivers of children and caregivers of um, themselves as, as human beings who get sick and caregivers of loved ones who get sick. Yeah, I, I think it's probably no secret um, for listeners of this podcast where Drew and I fall on, you know, maybe a, a political or, or um, value spectrum. But I love that idea of recapturing family values <laughs> as an idea, yeah. including, you know, policies like this. And, and yeah. And, and so one question I think is that, well, this is a family values that um, runs into what some people would say are business climate values. And so why hasn't the Family Medical Leave Act been expanded? You know, the idea was 1993, we'd start with this very minimal, bare bones sort of compromise legislation. It's been over 20 years. Is there much progress towards um, expanding it? Well, not at the national level. A few states have. Um, instituted paid leave programs, California, New Jersey, Rhode Island, I believe Washington State, um, not New York State. Um, so there's movements in a great many states to expand uh, and, and provide some kind of, of paid leave protection, but not a lot of hope at the federal level right now. Um, you know, we'll see see what happens but um you know it's important it's important that um that family values uh idea be out there that this is what across the political spectrum people should be focusing on but that raises the question that um i guess of employers rights and the business uh, community. They're the leading opposition. Organized business in the form of the National Chamber of Commerce and statewide and local chambers of commerce um, are uh, out there in the foreground, I would say, the leading opposition and the leading reason that these laws don't get passed and get watered down. What's their argument and, and why do you think it's bogus? <laughs> <laughs> assuming you do. I'm just assuming. Yeah. Their, their argument is that employers need flexibility, right? Well, one Freedom. answer. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, in other words, the employers need control. Yeah. It's the idea that the workplace is the employer's domain. Well, you know, in mo throughout the world, that is not the norm. The U.S. is an outlier in, uh, well, in family medical leave, but it's... I think it's really, for 
There's a lot of countries that have paid leave. Oh, right? all, virtually all. I, I, I think <laughs> there may be Lesotho and Swaziland and and Papua New Guinea may be without family leave. I'm pretty sure sh- every other country in the world provides yeah. paid family medical leave. Last I checked, um, and often. Um, paid leave to the extent of a full year at full pay. And is it paid by, and I know it's different for different countries, but is, is it government? Does the government cover the salary or does the company cover it? Um, yeah, that does differ. Some of it, it comes from like a social security-like program. Like a fund that everyone pays yeah, into. Yeah, so that's like our old age social security benefits. You could, It, it may be um, imposed through a payroll tax sort of system, but it's it's to a large extent government provided, like government provided benefits for healthcare in most other countries, in, in industrialized countries, advanced countries in the world. And so um, other times, it, like in some of the individual states in the US, uh, California, for example, um, it's a small payroll tax on workers. So workers pay an additional 1% tax in the covered workplaces in California that goes into a like a an insurance fund basically Um, now that built on disability insurance coverage in California New York has a temporary disability insurance system exactly like that you know it's a kind of a tax on on workers that goes into an insurance fund that provides it's it's actually a fairly low um, cash benefit for a limited time period for um, disability in New York and so in in the United States that's the way s- the the states that have been in the lead on paid leave had built on the system and they found that you know it, it adds a pretty small cost to the the payroll tax and then um, uh, people are taking advantage of it um, for again similar. It's generally similar kinds of protections as the the Family Medical Leave Act, but provide pay for family illness, for personal illness, or for a new child. And there are a couple companies that are leading the way and doing the right thing. I, I think I just read that Netflix is giving people up to a year of paid leave. Did I see yeah. that right? Yeah, I'm not sure of all the details. It's it's quite common for. Um, for I would say upper middle class and upper class professional workers in large companies to have access to some kind of paid leave. There are big exceptions, um, but but that's quite it's common. We're in, in but it's but the um, families that need it the most. The often families don't that need it the it. most, and and again in the United States where more and more work is being shifted, I think out of those kinds of. Yeah. Um, uh, well-protected professional jobs, and it, it's quite problematic. And again, we don't want to think of this as a privilege for the sort of superstar workers either. Um, that's problematic. But it's true that, that 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 shows that there is a norm that in the United States, if you're a good employer in a you know an up-and-coming business, and you want to say that we are the cool place to work, then you... paid leave is is kind of a, a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and it's really important for retaining um, and attracting um, women, but also young younger men. You know, but overall, it's it's there's such strong evidence that, especially among young men and women today, they they 
Well, it probably across the age span. Um, but the evidence is particularly strong among young people that they want and expect to have time for family care and for spending time with their kids. Um, but what happens is you get into the workplace, and we have a workplace structure. Where, um, one way of thinking of it is, is, it's, is to call it a bifurcated work structure. You have, on the one hand, um, good jobs with good benefits, high pay, job security, and those jobs require what some people describe as extreme work. You have to create the, at least the perception <laughs> that you're dedicating your life to work. Right. You know, that you work long hours, that you work more than 50 hours a week, that Show you're available 20, you know, after. you're answering yep. the emails while you're, you know, giving the baby a bath. You're, you know, um, you're, and you don't take vacation. That's the kind of, that's at one spectrum. And I think uh, increasingly professionals like lawyers, bankers, uh, academics, um, executives, managers have, have been work, pressured to work those long hours I, and also and to show that dedication. I definitely think that trend or that expectation is is trending down too. I mean, I even see it, I saw it in the nonprofit world, this like crazy expectation. Of, wow. Yeah. And there, well, you're not paid as much either. And it's really, yeah, that's, that's, it's really tough. And so that's why it's important to be talking about this norm uh, that that's not that's not human beings and that's not good work and it's not um getting back to the arguments it's not it's not crucial to economic competitiveness other countries in the world are um in arguably doing better than the united states in many ways and providing very generous um uh paid leave across the board to a wide variety of of, of employees um Let's see. What uh, another p point on that? Getting back to the question of um, of what's the opposition's argument? Now, so much of the the opportunity for improvements is at the state level, given the difficulty of passing legislation at the federal level and the sort of dominance of, I would say. Um, uh, anti-worker policies and resistance to legislative change, a breakdown of Congress um, at the federal level. A lot of the changes are coming at the state level, but there's a lot of opposition at the state level. The, what I see in New York State, for example, our local business groups saying is that, well, if New York passes um, increased requirements for family leave, especially paid leave, won't that disadvantage our business climate compared to other states since only five or six other states are providing paid leave you know won't that mean businesses will not locate to um, you know to New York well the idea that a, a major business is going to make its decision to move to New York based on the paid family leave policy you know is sort of a, a very small tax uh, right. is is and, and is, I think, pretty speculative and, and pretty dubious. The data on family medical leave shows that, that nationally, the unpaid leave, um, that was strongly opposed by Chamber of Commerce, by organized business back in 1993. Again, they said, we need the flexibility. This is going to be a big imposition. We have to hold the job open for someone, um, even though we don't have to pay them. It's turned out that survey after survey uh, shows that 
in fact, most employers, even the ones who were strongly opposed to it, found that it, it really wasn't much of a problem. They were able to flexibly adjust and, and that actually it had a lot of benefits they hadn't thought about in terms of workplace morale and energy. Um, you know, there are better or worse ways of, of adapting to it, and there's a lot of um, advice for businesses and guidance on how to do that. But, um, you know, generally it shows that employers that have experience with the increased protections have um, positive attitudes. And I think that's also true in some of the states that have gone mm -hmm. to, to paid leave. And again, there's plenty of flexibility, usually it built into the legislation at the state level and in the federal level. Most people take the leave, paid or unpaid, for relatively short periods of time, not the full 12 weeks. There's um, uh, provisions in the law that encourage and, and, and are structured to so that employers and employees can work out um, the scheduling for the leave. So say you're caring for um, either a newborn or um, a sick family member, you might work half time and be home, you know, have some time to bond with the child, some time for caretaker, have a, um, a caretaker for part of the time, another situation. So there's a lot of flexibility there. Um, and just another thing I want to say, I think we need to put to be more vocal and put more pressure on these organized business groups to stand behind family values and to think not just about these sort of speculative, uncertain, possible, uh, unproven harms to business, but also think about what are the, the sort of long-term big picture benefits a lot of talk about the business climate, about you know the need for places like Buffalo that are struggling economically in many ways. To you know, you know, do we need to cater to every demand of business? Do we need to like reduce any kinds of requirements and protections for workers out of fear that that'll mean we'll lose jobs? I think that we have to think um, more broadly about what is going to benefit our communities economically, that's it. a big part of that is whether families are doing well. Number one, whether people have the income, whether they don't have to quit their job because their kid is getting chemotherapy, whether they don't have to, uh, you know, and, and sort of go hand to mouth or work through that. And what happens to families when they can't provide good care, the long-term health consequences are severe. You know, they may put off taking leave, taking care of a child that, that may have um, a lot of economic harm long-term in how the kid does um, in terms of health, in terms of school, how the parents survive at work if they're not totally stressed out. You know, so all these things, I think, um, uh, go to where, uh, where we should look for economic gains for our communities, and I think we need to look to our families, our kids, as the f economic future and important foundation. So we can't leave those out when we're talking about, you know, economic growth, economic development, what makes a vibrant community, what makes good jobs, what, you know, what use are jobs if so many people can't really um, combine those with healthy family life. Yeah. And I also want to pressure. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, one thing that I, I want to put out there uh, to push on this is that we have a lot of nonprofit community leaders who are members of these organized business groups. These nonprofit leaders, um, you know, their business, their their purpose, their mission is to protect families and to care about health and well-being of the people in the communities, leading. 
um, leading health institutions, like locally we have the um, Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus at the University at Buffalo, um, leading social service and like nonprofit groups like the Community Foundation of Western New York, like the um, United Way of Western New York. These groups are all leaders, have leadership positions in the organized business groups that in our state have been opposing um, expansion of protections very modest expansion of protections for family medical leave. And I think that is not consistent with supporting the long-term and the big picture health of our communities or the economic well-being of our communities. Yeah. No, I, I'm fired up. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're with you. So I really think this conversation has been super informative for me, at least. I learned yeah, a lot. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. This is great. That was a fantastic interview. Thank you, Martha. Yeah, I really, I think a lot of people are going to really benefit from that. So let's do our person, place, or thing. Yeah, what do you got? So uh, this is a thing, I guess. Uh, a phrase is a thing, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, sure. I've, I've been watching people argue and fight and be afraid and scared. Um, and um, now is not a particularly easy time to be a Muslim in America. Um, so if you see a person that is in public and just looks a little bit worried or nervous and there's folks around there or you just want to make them comfortable, my thing is the phrase, um, assalam alaikum. And I hope I said it right. But the, the truth is, like, even if you say it wrong, uh, what you're saying is uh, peace to you and you're saying it in Arabic and hopefully you're just letting a Muslim person that maybe is getting stares and looks because that's been happening um, and worse things have been happening. Um, so what you're doing is you're saying, I'm with you. I'm going to look out for you. I'm going to be your friend. I like it. Okay, so my thing is much less profound than that. <laughs> Mine's just a couple words. <laughs> In fact, it's... Uh, Should I have made you go first? <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. So mine is a definitely a thing. Um, it is a bag. It's the, uh, the Patagonia Adam sling bag. Um, so this is just like a one... It's kind of like a one-strap backpack. Just sling it over your shoulder. And the reason why I'm recommending it is I think it's an awesome gift um, for a new parent but really any parent because it allows you to be hands-free I bought it when Sean and I were going to go on a trip and I wanted a bag that I could not overpack and that but would still be enough to like throw a few diapers in for when we were you know kind of walking around you're a cool mom cool um, moms don't have diaper bags that's right <laughs> cool moms have Adam yeah. sling bags so I like it I get a lot of compliments on it it's it comes in a lot of colors it's for sure gender neutral however you identify I think you would look awesome in it so. and it's for the baby stuff yeah for, and, you don't put the baby in it and I we're when this airs we will be close to you know pro the biggest gift giving holiday of the year but I know they sell it on Zappos and you can get stuff from Zappos real quick these days so go ahead are, are you asking for a, a present right now no I have one already <laughs> I don't need so you were looking at me you were like it's on Zapp Zappos no, I'm just looking at you <laughs> okay okay that's my so thing so this wraps up our episode this is our last episode of 2015 our inaugural year 
Uh, so thank you to everyone who has tuned in this year, and we can't wait to see what 2016 has in store. Uh, we have great ideas for future episodes, but as always, we want to hear from you uh, regarding topics you want us to cover. cover. You can email us at justafazepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Uh, our page is facebook.com slash justafazepodcast. You can leave feedback there and just generally be updated on the podcast. Our website's another place to check out for more information, including any links um, that, you know, links to resources that came up during our conversations today. And that's at justafazepodcast.tumblr.com. Just a Phase podcast is produced by Whitney Crispell, and our theme music is Urbana Metronica Woo Yeah Mix by Spinning Merkaba, and it is used under a Creative Commons license. All right. Happy holidays, Drew. Happy holidays, Whitney. Okay. Happy holidays, listeners. Bye. <laughs>